An Irish independent digital subscription doesn't just get you the news. It gets you the best of Ireland's stories all in one place. Whether it's the best of politics, business, sport, entertainment or lifestyle. Get it all for just €4 Euro a month for 12 months when you first subscribe. Visit independent.ie forward slash subscribe today. Irish Independent. Terms and conditions apply. Cancel any time. Listen and follow the Left Wing Rugby podcast with me, Will Slattery and Luke Fitzgerald. As far as I can see, I always want to get in the Irish team. And that should be every young player's dream and ambition in this country. And if you're playing in a place where you're not going to get the opportunities in the big games, that they're the ones that get you picked. They are the ones, the Champions Cup games are the ones that get you picked. You need to be playing in a team and starting in a team for those games. It's as simple as that if you want to play in the Irish team. Every week on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Before we begin, a heads up. Today's episode contains adult content and details of alleged sexual assault, which some listeners might find upsetting. Today on the Indo Daily, Abercrombie and Fitch and the shocking sex allegations. I was being presented to someone to do what they wanted with. What happened to me changed my life and not for the better. It was the fashion brand that every Irish teenager wanted to be seen wearing. Abercrombie and Fitch landed here in 2012 amid a blaze of publicity. So here I am reporting live outside the doors of Abercrombie & Fitch. It's the 10th flagship European Abercrombie shop. Few realised that ANF was actually once a very uncool brand until businessman Mike Jeffries decided to target a very specific audience. The bet was that if we get the, the right guys in the right fraternities to wear the clothes and be ambassadors for the clothes, other people are going to want to copy that. Now, though, Jeffries faces serious allegations from former models. My feeling of being in that room was an animal. I was not a human to any of these people. I was a body. I'm Kevin Doyle, and today on the Indo Daily, I'm joined by TRT World presenter Enda Brady to discuss the scandal rocking the fashion world. Enda Brady, Abercrombie and Fitch, huge brand, but the BBC has been investigating it for two years. Give us the context of that investigation. So this is outstanding investigative journalism, really, from the best that the BBC have in the Panorama team. And for them to put two years of resources and staffing into this was a huge commitment. The culmination, of course, was this week's program about the fashion brand Abercrombie and Fitch and the man behind it for a good chunk of the 90s and the early 2000s, Mike Jeffries. Now, Jeffries is now 79 years old and the whole story and the investigation focused around him, uh, his British partner, Matthew Smith, who's now 60, and lavish parties they threw in various different venues from private homes in the States to hotels all over the world. And the allegation was that young men had been brought to these parties and ended up, they claimed, being exploited. Let's talk about the whole marketing approach from Abercrombie & Fitch because sex sells was really a large part of their mantra. They mightn't have said it out loud, but my God, if you walked into one of their shops, Enda, it screamed at you. Yeah, it did. So Jeffrey's 
basically rejuvenated the brand. It, it had been kind of an outdated outfitter, really, is the best way of describing what it was before he got involved. And then, yeah, they made no secret of the fact that they wanted a, attractive clothes for attractive customers. You'd go into their store and all the models would be topless, you know, young fellas, tops off, handsome, all American kind of good looking guys. And they made no secret of the fact. And Jeffries gave an interview actually in 2006 when he was CEO. And he'd overseen an extraordinary turnaround in the company's fortunes. And in that interview, he said, this is quite revealing about their whole approach to marketing and what he saw about the brand. And he said uh, that they went after what he called the cool kids. And he said, we go after the attractive all American kid with a great attitude and a lot of friends. A lot of people don't belong in our clothes. And they can't belong. Are we exclusionary? Absolutely. Our people in the store are an inspiration to the customer. A neatly combed, attractive, natural, classic hairstyle is acceptable. Dreadlocks are unacceptable for men and women. So that was the whole kind of arrogant attitude around Abercrombie and Fitch, all driven by this man, Mike Jeffries. And, you know, the tone of that interview I can't imagine any CEO nowadays basically saying, if you're not cool, we don't want your money. And it worked because I remember I was a teenager in the noughties when it was imported into Ireland and they had a big flagship store in Dundrum. They eventually got one in Dublin city centre. And it was the brand to be seen wearing. Now, I always found it odd that you had a topless uh, young lad effectively beckoning you into the store uh, when they were trying to sell t-shirts. But it did become that kind of thing. If you were in secondary school or college, even here in Ireland, in that kind of mid to late 90s period, they were the Hugo boss of that generation in some ways. Absolutely. And he he drove that. You know, sex does sell. Uh, people know that. But you're right. You know, it was kind of unusual that you're trying to sell T-shirts to young fellas and the model is a young fella with no T-shirt on. And I'm here outside the Dublin store on College Green. And the official photo call is going to happen in the next few moments. So we'll see all the Abercrombie models just um, coming out of the store, hopefully in the next two minutes. Jeffries knew what he was doing, and it certainly worked up until a point where they hit about 2014, sales started to decline, and he left the company. Well, before we get into the allegations then, let's talk about the cast of characters involved here, Enda. Who are the other main players in this story? So his partner is a British man called Matthew Smith, 60 years of age. Not a huge amount is known about him. And then the investigation alleges that all of these young men were procured or hired for these parties by a very sophisticated, highly organized network using a middleman. And the middleman was allegedly James Jacobson, Jim Jacobson, they call him. He wears a a snakeskin patch where his nose should be, uh, apparently some problem with a plastic surgery procedure that did not go to what he was hoping. Now, he has given a statement to the documentary makers and the investigators this week, and he's told journalists that anyone he approached to attend the parties organized for Jeffries and Smith, that they went into the situation, quote, with their eyes wide open. And the BBC have spoke to 12 men, and is that right? 
as part of the Panorama investigation who say they didn't go in with their eyes wide open. Uh, they thought that this was a meeting, a way to get uh, to become basically one of the A&F boys, if you like. Let's go through some of their experiences as they described. Older, larger security guys, physically fit guys that kind of exhibited themselves to be professional security people. The impact of there being chaperones in that room felt like there was even more pressure to perform, to go make sure they had a good time. Tell me about David Bradbury. So he is an American man who has given a very detailed interview. And again, his story is similar to all of the others. So all of the men paint a very similar picture that they are approached to attend this party they have a meeting, like a pre-meeting with this Jim Jacobson character who was acting as the alleged middleman. And that's basically, it's almost a sexual audition with Jacobson to see if they pass that. They're, it's then made clear to them in the conversation, allegedly with Jacobson, that he is the gatekeeper and that he can get them the introduction to uh, Jeffrey's and Abercrombie and Fitch. And a lot of the young men, they have aspirations to be involved in the fashion trade or indeed as male models. And what is in front of them is an unbelievable career opportunity, a shot at fame, perhaps money. All of the men, including Bradbury, tell the, the same story that they were all paid for attending the parties, but they claim that at no point was it explicitly spelled out to them that sex would be involved or expected of them for attending these events. So another of the complainants is a guy called Barrett Pal. What was his experience? So again, you know, being offered the whole kind of introduction to the ANF family, a private meeting with, with Jeffries, the opportunity for career advancement. And he ended up at one of these parties and claims that he was sexually exploited. I'm not going to go into to detail, but it's a scene that is repeated over and over. The people are brought to these parties and then they are either expected to perform sexual acts or watch others doing so or get involved with others who are doing so. I was butt-ass naked as I was being asked for my ID and to sign this non-disclosure agreement. There wasn't a lot of time to look through and feel comfortable. So these two men who you've named have spoken out very bravely. They've made very strong allegations. Pal said the experience broke him and that it stole any ounce of innocence that he had left and he was mentally messed up after it. So these men have obviously been carrying this for, for many years since. How did the BBC get undercover to the point where they were happy to, to tell this story? So how investigative journalism works, and not many big outlets really do it to this level anymore, that the panorama level of decades of experience. You know, all the news organizations I've worked in, is a quick turnaround, as you know, in news. Today's news, tomorrow's news. You know, people are never really looking that far ahead. Investigative journalism takes huge financial resources, manpower, dedicated journalists working week after week. And, you know, the deadline could be a year, 18 months, in this case, a two-year investigation. 
So what the BBC have done is had a crack team of journals on this. They would have to go and speak to all of the men making the allegations. They would have to join up flight details. The BBC have even seen flight tickets, hotels. They've got a timeline of everything that allegedly happened, who was where and when. And basically, all of these men who don't know each other are painting the similar picture. So the BBC have been painstaking in this. They would not have broadcast five seconds of this without lawyers pouring over everything. And Jeffries and Smith, for whatever reason, have decided that they have not wanted to issue a statement or a denial, just complete radio silence. And the end result is it has made headlines all over the world this week because of the name Abercrombie & Fitch. Now, I should point out Jeffries has no connection with the company anymore. And Abercrombie & Fitch say they are appalled and disgusted by the allegations in the press this week. Some of the detail as recounted by the men in the programme is shocking. One of the stories was that there was a personal groomer who was hired to intimately shave body hair from some of the men attending the events, um, which is kind of outrageous to even think about. The men were asked to sign non-disclosure agreements. I didn't really have much time to really even read it. When I started to read it, it was, you don't really need to read this, do you? I remember there being something along the lines of financial repercussions. I feel like they were trying to scare us with some sort of BS legal document. Uh, That's what it felt like. It felt like intimidation. How have they broken out of those now? I think probably because they feel such anger and humiliation and the opportunity has come along to speak to trusted journalists at a respected media organisation. And I think, in all honesty, you know, when you look at what some of the men are alleging, one guy claimed that he had gone to a party in Marrakesh and it was at a very swish hotel. He claims that his drink was spiked and that he woke up the next day with a condom inside him and subsequently, a few years later, tested positive for HIV. And he is adamant that the only incident in his life that could have resulted in that positive diagnosis was what happened to him in Marrakesh. So hugely significant consequences for some of the men. And I think in all honesty, they probably feel so such revulsion and anger over what has happened to them um, that they've discarded the NDAs and just thought, go on then, sue me. I'm just going to tell people what I feel happened to me. Did any of them go on to work with Abercrombie and Fitch as models or in their stores afterwards? I don't believe so. I don't think any of them had careers in fashion modeling as a result of attending any of these parties. So it's it's a pattern of alleged abuse that went on from 2009 until 2015. And by the looks of it, this has been an extremely well-investigated, well-researched piece of investigative journalism. Tell me then, Enda, what about Mike Jeffries in all of this? Obviously, you've said that he's just given radio silence to the BBC. He hasn't responded to any of the allegations, which are pretty horrendous. He's just let them sit there. What did people think of him when he was actually CEO, assuming they didn't know about about this carry on in the background? Well, I think he was a very successful CEO taking uh, what was an outdated 
label and brand and turning it into something cool, not just in America. Like you say, stores in Ireland, stores in Europe, Australia, all over the world. You know, it was a really hip, cool, you know, pricey brand for young people to be wearing. And Jeffries oversaw that kind of rejuvenation almost of A&F. And he was very, very successful. And I mean, you know, to run an organization like that from the 90s up to 2014, as I said earlier, he stepped down nine years ago, sales slumped, he left, and he walked off with $25 million in his back pocket. And at that point, I think, you know, people in A&F probably thought, well, that's the, the last we'll ever see and hear of Mike Jeffries. And now their brand name has been, I would say, massively damaged this week by these allegations. Yeah, well, tell me about that, because I don't think, and now I, I wouldn't be a fashion expert, I don't think Abercrombie & Fitch is as big a brand as it was in the noughties. Its store in Dublin is gone, but it's not that kind of mainstream thing that every young guy or girl wants to be seen in, albeit it's still popular. Yeah, there's still a popular brand, but I think some some fashion labels are of a time and a place, and this was certainly one of them. I think we're all tired of the scantily clad teen ads. You know what? Well, I'm tired of it. I don't know about you. You know, the ripped David and I are struggling. Stomach. I don't want to buy a ripped, uh, you know, this is, if I want a six pack, the heck with it, I'm buying a Coors Light. He oversaw a, you know, astronomically successful period for the brand. And he was extremely well remunerated as a result of it. Um, but uh, certainly this week, they have had a week from hell off the back of their former CEO and all of these allegations. And I thought it was telling that ANF came out very quickly with that statement saying that they are appalled and disgusted. And the BBC would have gone to them and said, look, you know, we've been working on this for two years. And that's a huge amount of journalistic effort. It really, really is. What about... The next chapter here, is there a possibility for criminal for a criminal investigation? When most people think about this particular brand, they think about this kind of aspirational, um, preppy, you know, clean cut 90s frat boy brand. And so to have certain allegations and these allegations, let's be very clear, are extremely explosive, does not bode well. Uh, so my reading of the situation is I think there will be pressure on the authorities in the United States to look into whether or not some of these young men were trafficked for sex. So they would have traveled, you know, predominantly young American men. And these parties were taking place in London, Paris, Venice and Marrakesh. So apart from whatever they did in, in New York and presumably anywhere else in the United States, they certainly traveled. And I think there will be a lot of pressure now on various different jurisdictions in the United States to look at whether or not the rules were broken. Now, it may well be that no action is taken or the police have not received any complaints from anyone yet. But that would be the logical next step would be for detectives to start investigating. And again, we don't know his thoughts on any of this because he has not spoken or given a statement. And you say it's of its time, but there are still plenty of examples of the fashion industry wanting certain types of models, certain types of people wearing their clothes. Could this be a moment of reckoning for the wider fashion industry and how they approach the way they sell 
Honestly, I think this is huge for the fashion industry. And I think, you know, we've all heard the stories about casting couches in Hollywood. We saw what happened, Weinstein and everything that came out with that. I think this could well spark a Me Too movement in the fashion industry. There will be a lot of people now who were back then younger models starting out. And I think they will be watching with great interest what happens here. And I think a lot of people now who perhaps are not teenagers or early 20s anymore, more worldly wise, I think they will be looking at all of this and thinking, actually, what happened to me was absolutely wrong. And I want to speak out about it. So don't be surprised if in the next couple of months, more stories emerge. Enda Brady, thank you very much. I'm Kevin Doyle. And today's episode of the Indo Daily was produced by D. Reddy. Research by Dave Hanratty, recorded by Gavin Hennessy, with sound by John Smith. Archive clips were from BBC Panorama, RTE, Virgin Media and Netflix. If you enjoy the Indo Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review. This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919, 1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts.